Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. So this week, Hulu put out a four-part series called The Secrets of Hillsong, which documents a global megachurch and their descent into scandal. Carl Lentz was a celebrity pastor, a one-time hype priest, and a former spiritual advisor to many celebrities, most famous of which was Justin Bieber. My next guest was at the center of it all when it came crashing down, and I'll tell you that I spoke to her this week, and I had a really interesting conversation with her. If you think it's just about someone being a mistress and coming in and ruining a marriage and taking down a guy who was a pastor in a church, the story is actually much bigger than this. So I was really honored to meet Renin, and I hope that you guys listen to this episode because I think it's really interesting, and especially if you are into the documentary or into Hillsong, you will find this fascinating. So um, welcome my next guest, Renin Karim. Hi, so welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess we have to jump right into, you know, why we're kind of here. The documentary came out this right. weekend. Right. The first two parts, the second two parts will be out, I guess, this coming weekend or shortly. Right. Um, have you seen it? Well, I did because I felt I received a lot of feedback from different people, um, mostly like very disappointment, you know, a lot mm. of disappointment uh, from people that have uh Worked for the church, was part of the church, uh, followed Carl for a long time. So I just felt like since everyone got, was also upset because how I was showing, um, I wanted to really like see it. Because it's funny enough, I didn't watch my own documentary because I felt like this is way faster and just don't like watching myself. So it was easier yeah. to just see, to watch that one. But I, I did. I watched both of the, of the first episodes. They did not contact you to be in it, did they? Uh, before I decided to go with the um, the New York Post and they w eventually went on the Discovery Channel, they uh, I had the reporter who actually interviewed me for Vanity Fair reach out to me. I wasn't sure if he's going to do that with them, but I feel like it was in the works. Mm -hmm. So I he, he didn't give me a guarantee as for if they're going to like, you know, pay me for my time. So, uh, of course, that I didn't want to do for free anymore. So mm -hmm. I decided to just go ahead and work with the post. Um, and I believe that he is part of it. That's why eventually they end up doing the documentary. Yeah. But yeah, so I wasn't sure if that was for that, but I'm, I'm sure it was. So this documentary, it's the first time that Carl Lentz has spoken out, right? In like yeah. three years or something? Two years, yes. Two years. Okay. So what was that like hearing in his words how he thought things went down? I mean... I'm going to be honest because I, when I watched it, it was a lot of tears from his end yeah. and his wife's and he's, he likes to cry a lot. So it's, I wasn't, I was really laughing when I watched it because I was like, he cried in front of me so many times. So I just don't think if his tears are genuine. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think, um, it's not surprising to be honest from everything that it was showing and the way he spoke about it, I feel like he he knew everything from the beginning because mm -hmm. you you couldn't you cannot be in, in, in just a big system and big you know um, church like that and not knowing exactly what's going on for so many years. So I just know that it got to a point where he had to hide for two years and not say anything because he probably got paid to keep it quiet. But then it's easier to come to come back and just throw all the blame on somebody else, right? So. Had you ever been to Hillsong Church? If, funny enough, before I, before I met him, um, I, I was going through a divorce and my best, one of my best friends, uh, you know, I was going through a lot of, you know, things with my ex-husband and she wanted to help me and she took me there. It was, they had one in 14th Street in Union Square. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know nothing about it because, you know, I'm not even Christian, let's put it that way. I'm Muslim. I grew up, you know, Muslim in every aspect and I was very open to how, you know, how can I heal myself? Uh, and for me, it's like if I went to the church, not because I believe I'm Christian, it's because there's something beautiful about being around that, around people that um, can way, somewhere heal you. If yeah. it's through a Bible or Quran, whatever. So I went there out of out of wanted to like heal, not mm -hmm. because I was really like wanted to be a Christian or convert or anything like that. So I went there one time. I do remember hearing about him, seeing him. Not really remember his face. I really it was like 2015, like mm -hmm. it was long time ago, 2014, and. I didn't know nothing. So looking back when meeting him was just so ironic to like thinking that kind of briefly seeing him and not really seeing him and knowing of him, knowing of the church and being there one time. Right. And then physically meeting him, it was just very, very a, a big moment for me because I was very confused mm -hmm. to why, you know, why me and why all that happened. So 
So, but he didn't make that much of an impression on you that you remembered who he was the first time you met him. No. Um, so that, I think that's important because a lot of people are confused. They think you met him because you were a part of the church and you went there and all that. Why don't you start with the story of how you guys met? So I was, um, back in 2020, I was working for Celine and I was working from home. It was during COVID. I mm-hmm. went to Domino Park, which is around my house. I was sitting in the circle. They had like those circles that everybody had to sit, you know, two, two, 20, two feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed while I was working on my work, my phone, my work phone, I noticed a person like stretching on the bench. And I was sitting, sitting literally across from the circle. I mean, from the bench, sorry. And he kept looking at me and he had a can of Coke. And I know he drinks Cokes after working out or playing ball, which knowing later on, that's what he used to do. Yeah. And he was stretching. Then somebody came from nowhere, bought him a, a blanket. I didn't even notice. Like it was so briefly because I was I wasn't paying attention much. It was like looking up. There's a lot of people. It was in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. It was sunny. It was in May. Funny enough, so I turned around. Was girls uh, sitting next to me? They were talking to me about my dog, asking where I'm from because of my accent. And I have noticed that he sat in one of the circles and he kept watching us. Mm-hmm. And he kept looking and looking. And I and I can tell that he was dropping his ears because you know he's a guy. He looks. He he's a good looking man. Wasn't wearing a ring, nothing like you know, uh, unusual. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on his iPad working, whatever he was doing. He was actually doing uh, push-ups on, on the circle. Mm-hmm. And then I was about to head out and go back home because we were already late. And I noticed that he he saw me getting up and he got up at the same time. And he said, you can take my circle. And I said, I'm okay. I'm actually going home. Mm-hmm. So at that moment also was some guy just gave me a paper and he said, hey, please call me. Like he gave me a little note and I took the note and I was like folded it and put it in my hand and <laughs> kept it. And then when I started walking with Carl, he was like, I was telling him it's so funny. I, I just, I'm very, very friendly when I meet people. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be rude. So I was like, he started walking with me, which I thought is weird. But okay, we walk in the same direction. He's handsome. I was just like, okay, cool, let's walk. And then he, I told him it's so funny. This guy gave me this his phone number, and it was like random, and I just ripped it in front of him, and I just threw it away. And he said to me, well, you know, like, how long you live in the neighborhood? He started asking me a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And we kept walking towards – so I found out later on that the first time they had the church was in this area on Kent, and it was one of those big buildings – and he walked that direction. Okay. So when I when I asked him, I saw somebody bring you a blanket. He said, yeah, I used to live around here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we walked and we got to a corner where I had to go up back to my house. And he said, he went back to those big buildings. And he gave me his phone and he said, because we talked about his age. We talked about ser- ser- different things. Mm-hmm. And then he was very curious. He asked me a lot more questions more than I asked him. And I, I don't mind sharing, but I felt like he was being nosy, so I didn't want to t- talk too much. But then he said he handed me his phone and he opened his notes. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to write his, my number on his notes. And I thought it's really strange. And I'm like, okay, he's 41. Maybe he's a little old in his brain. So maybe <laughs> I'm just gonna, like, I'm going to follow his lead, whatever. So I wrote it, my number. And then I, you know, when you text someone, usually you have the little emoji sure. f- face. And I had like my emoji, not my picture. And he said, oh, this emoji doesn't do justice the way, the, to the way you look like. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's a really flirtatious comment, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, he sent me photos of his dogs and he told me it was so nice to meet you. That was the highlight of my day at the park. And you kind of, like, okay, he's really like trying me, you know? Right. Like, it's not like, and I was, and that, at that point I said, can I please have your last name? Because I want to save you on my phone. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I don't, I think it's better for us to like, maybe meet again or have you knowing me rather than you like researching and doing your thing. So he already knew that I'm going to do that because yeah. everybody Googles everyone. Of course. I don't want to be around a cycle, you know? <laughs> so, so I kept like, he, he sent me a photo of his dogs to show me that he have dogs, like, cause he met my dog. My dog was with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, you know, like, and we kept chatting. And then I, he said to me, well, ne- tomorrow when you go to the park, save, save me a spot. And that was Friday. So Saturday I went back to the park and I asked him, do you like coffee? And he's like, oh, you're so nice. Where, why I didn't meet you before? Like very much kind of like where this guy came from, yeah. you know? Um, we get to the park. He was sitting really far away from the park and I can see him. And I was like texting him and I said, why? Actually, I called him and his phone, I think, was dead because the battery from the heat, whatever, his phone wasn't working. And then he noticed me and then he came around. He sat on the bench and I was sitting on the grass. 
And I, he kept asking me questions like, and I, and, and I caught him off and I said, wait, you ask me too much question. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Like he said, I told you I'm, I manage like athletes and I travel with them. And I was like, well, you're an agent. Why? Like, and he asked me, what do you do? I said, I worked in nightlife before. Like I know a lot of people in the industry. He said the same thing. He used to travel and party with people. And he just get, went on and on. And I had to, and I got to a point where I was, I was very curious. Like, what is your story? Because you seem very mysterious. Mm-hmm. And he sat on the, on the grass with me and I said to him, these photos you send me of your dogs, where are they? Mm. He said, they're in New Jersey. I said, are you married? That's what I asked him. And he said, yes, I, I am. And I said, okay, so for how long have you been married? He said, for 17 years or so. Wow. And I said, okay. So at this point, I was like, this is really annoying. Because it's like, <laughs> why are you wasting my time, yeah, right? two days now you've spent with this guy. And now he basically, because the day before, he was saying like, oh, you know, we should do some tequilas together mm-hmm. and do some shots. And then he planned, he's like, I'm going to hit you up later. And I was actually on a date with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And he hits me up and I said, okay, so let me know. I mean, if I anything, I can just leave because I liked his attention more and I wanted to like bounce. But he never mm-hmm. got back to me and it was not a big deal because I just met him. But the day after, I was very bumped. I'm like, this is annoying because who want to waste so much time and talking to someone going anywhere? So he ended up, he said, I have to go have a meeting. I have to be on a Zoom, whatever. And he left. Later on, I get a message with from him of a, a picture. Sweet, like he took a photo from the from the um, penthouse he was staying at on mm-hmm. Metropolitan. And he said, sent me a photo. It's like, if you take a photo, you can see me from the park. So he took a far photo to be like, oh, I can tell you were disappointed. You know, that I told that I was married. I said, actually, yeah, because kind of like you don't do all of this for nothing. Yeah. That's really not a, okay. And then he said, you know, and it's okay. Maybe you can just come next time. You can have, we can turn on the roof. He invited me to his friend's house. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's okay, like whatever. And then I would, we end up discussing to actually meet up. And I said, it's okay. We can just be friends. Like we can just have drinks because I can separate from being wanted to be to be into you and actually have you as a friend. Woman knows how to put yes. guys in the friend zone and mm-hmm. we can. We're really good at that. Yes. And men doesn't. So we can just turn the switch turn off, off. Yeah. which I did. So he ended up inviting me. He called me FaceTime. He said, oh, my God, you look so beautiful, whatever. Do you mind if I come to your house? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I really don't invite people because my home is like my temple. Yeah. I really don't have people in my home like that. It's And very this personal. was like the third day now? This, this is the same Saturday. The same Saturday. Yeah. Okay. The second day. Yes, the second day. And then... um I remember he asked me to, you know, he came over, he brought the tequila with him in his backpack. And mm-hmm. then he sat on the t- t- couch across from me, like he's there by the wall and I'm sitting here. And he was like, oh, do you want to get more comfortable and maybe change? And I said, this is a weird request. They asked me <laughs> to change my pants. So I did actually, because I was wearing those pants. I was long. I said, okay, I wear like, you know, like shorts, you know, mm-hmm. like I have shorts. So I wore shorts and he was, he was, you can tell he wanted to feel more comfortable and then I start asking him like a little more questions. So be- prior to that, that Saturday, I went home and I was going crazy in my head. I'm like, I need to find out this guy's last name. I need mm-hmm. to figure out who he is. And I said, okay, I'm not going to invite a stranger to my house without knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. So I go, I went online. I found this app that you can pay a dollar to find out more details on the person. And oh, like a reverse. It's not um, like, it's more like, of like you put their number and it gives you all their background. Like right, where they right, live, right. where they come from. So I put his number, which is a Virginia number. Okay. And, and then I looked, everything came up and he says what his last name. And I was like, oh my God. And then I looked him up and I said, this is so crazy because I, I briefly saw his face somewhere because mm-hmm. the, the church was like Hillsong, like back then when I went to the church in 14th Street, it was, the stages was like, it was a theater. So okay. you have a lot of like, those like balconies and then I was on top of the balcony you can see the stage so I wasn't really able to see the whole stage you can see glimpse of it because there's a lot of people and so you didn't see his face that close up no but I thought it's really weird I'm like he back then I was like he's wearing those skinny jeans he looked like a rock and roller like he wasn't like a pastor to me Mm -hmm. which I wasn't really I don't know nothing about that but back then I didn't know Mm -hmm. so um so whatever. So we go back to my house. We you know we're sitting, we're talking, and then towards the end of the night, nothing really happened. Like you know, we were chatting, and then he was like, "I feel so bad. I, I shouldn't be doing this." Like to- he was walking by my door, standing by the door, and we talking. And I said to him, "Relax, it's all good. Like nothing is like we're okay." Like I was laughing. I was like, "It's not a big deal." Like he, I feel like he was more emotional than me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I was just okay. I'm I'm living in New York. I'm a woman. We all go through disappointments and like rejections all that thing so it's mm-hmm. normal so he ends up leaving and then he messaged me it was so nice whatever do you mind if i text you sometimes check on you like he wanted to keep it going right and that's what was upsetting to me because people start saying things about me you don't know the whole story yeah because i have tried to tell him to leave me alone multiple times because i know 
that he's somewhere he's not really it, it's not registering what he's doing because mm-hmm. the rec he was so reckless uh, yeah. like to 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 how end, things ended eventually right but um it just went on and on and then he one time, do you, what else do you want me to, add, to tell you? Because okay. there's a lot so, of information. Yeah, you just gave so much information. So let's slow <laughs> down for one second. So I think it is a very interesting thing that people do not talk about enough that married men or married people, whatever, say a lot of things uh, to get their way and Correct. they're very deliberate about it. Correct. And, you know, uh, I think there, a lot of people are very quick to blame things on the mistress and say it's all the mistress's fault. Correct. And the mistress gets the stigma and always keeps the stigma. Correct. But, you know, I think the thought is kind of like, oh, this woman swooped in, stole him from his wife, you know, uh, corrupted him and, right. you know, was like this disease or this weapon of mass right. destruction that blew something up. Right. Many times, um, it's the men making it okay and right. saying things that, you know, we want to hear or saying things that um, is not true about what's going on in their life, but they want it to be true. Correct. So you were single, right? I mean, you could date anyone you wanted. Correct. And so it wasn't your issue. It was his. And you eventually, it sounds like, went with um, your gut on this guy's making it okay. So what's the problem? No, and I, and I think it's uh, th- that's what I kept saying, like, None of the, he had a choice yes. because he did c- came to me and he asked me to go sit on the bench. I literally told him, you, you, he said that to me. That was a hurtful moment. He said, I go back to my family. You go back to nothing. And I said, that's a good point. Cause yeah. I really don't go, I honestly, I, I go back to blank canvas that I can draw anything on it because yep. you know, you go to your family that clearly unhappy because you married somebody that you were forced to be married to because that's what I to- they told you to do in order for you to get to where you got in your life. And it's all, it was all monitored and, and planned because in yeah. reality, you didn't, you, I even told him one time and he agreed and I said, you like this kid that want to play so badly, but, but it's been like hiding inside of you. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, he said, yeah. And I said, that's why you're, you drowning in yourself. Right. And I kept telling him, like, basically wake up, like, like get your life together because you are, you you are like a disease that hurting everybody else, including mm-hmm. me. Even that I'm not even. I didn't look for you. I had no idea who you are. Mm-hmm. I never met you in my life before. Rather than just just a moment, I don't even know who you are. Like as a person, I don't. I'm not even questioned a Christian. There's so many elements that come into play where I really did not look for this person, and people yeah. think that I looked him up, DM'd him. Like I never knew him. Mm-hmm. If I didn't see him at the park, I'll probably never see him again. Right. You know. Right. right. So it's just really upsetting because I get those messages sometimes where like um home wreck and I'm this and I'm that. How when uh, clearly this documentary talks about how he had a relationship with, with his nanny. Yeah. So we need to stop here because I need to be, I, people nowadays need to thank me for what happened to that church because otherwise people will be abused, used, like, like, like it's, there's so much damage that's been done that they need to sit here and say, thank you, Renin, for what, what happened. Right. Not come and come at me and, and, you know, and make me feel somewhere bad about it right so and and for people that don't really know the story what ended up happening is your affair was what took his career down Correct. right how Correct. did how did people find out so about what happened so basically i'm gonna so around the last time we kind of spoke okay so everything fell down and i think it's end of december mm-hmm. and maybe october or december around that time i really cannot remember the dates uh, but before that, his his daughter was going through something because mm-hmm. he did reach out to me in September. And when I told him to stop t- contacting me and he was kind of like, I'm contacting you. I know you're going to delete the message, but I want I don't know who to talk to. And I feel like because you care about me, I, I want to believe you care about me that my daughter tried to take her life away. And he wow. just shared something so personal, which I was blowing away. And I even told my friend, I don't even know how to respond to this because... If I was his wife, I'll be pissed because yeah. he shouldn't be talking about his personal because life. Because he's with sharing something so private between the two of them right. with you. Yeah. Right. But then but then he wanted me to have empathy and sympathy. So yeah. that's the only way I can respond to him. Yeah. So after that first, whatever, after the situation, I, I fell into it again. You know, I was I felt really I was mean to him and I was kind of like telling him that he's so selfish. He's just trying to find a way to get to get my attention. And he did because yeah. I'm not an evil person. I'm not going to just ignore be like. Fuck you and fuck your family, yeah, you know? But I did respond and I said, you know, I'm here for you if you need anything, whatever. And after that, we went back to the routine of like, he's like, I'm going to, he kept, it's so bizarre. I cannot even explain to you how it just felt like he was really in a dark place, but he kept like wanted to 
be cared for and like so he kept coming back mm. he will like say i'm staying or where my daughter is like in the in the, in the clinic but i'm gonna drive a car and come see you and he did and to the point where which really upset me because i'm like if you really loved your family and you care about your wife the way you speak about her why did you find it okay to stay at justin beaver's house two blocks away from my house and ride his motorbike and come to my house at 11 o'clock at night yeah. while your wife is at his house right so this how things got got really reckless, as I said, and to the point where Hill Song, um, kind of like whoever was at the church was looking into his iCloud and they saw the exchange of text messages between me and him. Got it. And that's how eventually, uh, he messaged me and he basically he sent me a video. He wanted to come over that one day, and then I told him like I'm not. Don't put me on a time frame because it's not doesn't work like that. So then I told him that yeah, because he was I could come from this. I'm like just let's not do it because already it's it got to a point where it's just we're stretching it too much and mm-hmm. it just I'm in and out of this. It was too much. So were you in love with him? Do you think he was in love with you? At this now, okay. I think today when I look at it from a different you know angle, I would say. It was more of, of like fascinate, being fascinated yeah. or like obsession yeah. because I was something that it was secret for him. And and he talked about a documentary. Mm-hmm. He's just born into like the secret thing, talking about his abuse and all that stuff. So I just think it was something that he needed to be his, like mm-hmm. something per- private or something that he can feel like that it just... I don't know. It's something people some people love to have secrets because it just it feels makes them feel alive. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why he needed it. Right. And and honestly, if 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 things didn't blow up the way they did, he will probably never stop. Mm-hmm. I had my roommate seeing him riding the bike outside my house. And he told me I as I he's like, I was hoping to see you through in the trash that I can bump into when I told him not to talk to me anymore. Hmm. This is how I felt like people didn't see those perspectives. Cause I honestly Rachel, I didn't tell too much about what happened between us because I didn't want to destroy him. I didn't want to get into details because he he was really, he was uh, like, I think he was in love with me in a sense where like, I haven't seen somebody so like, so wanted to be involved. Like he, he came to my friend's house, waited for me downstairs. He wanted to talk to me. Like he was outside my building taking picture, telling me he was there, but I didn't want to open the door. Like this is, I don't know if it's obsession, but like the needness of like, to, to be loved and want to be loved and be yeah. noticed, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a kid that never got attention from his mother, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting that you say all this because, I mean, if you're like looking at it from a psychological perspective, this is a guy who is on stage who people are obsessed with. I mean, people stand, you know, 7,000 people deep Correct. in a line to go see this man and hear him speak. And frankly, he was amazing. Yeah. You know, um, I've you know you can see it in the documentary. I went once. I'll tell you my story in a okay. second about okay, when great. I met him. Yeah. But um, you know, he that is his calling in the way that he is very good. You know, whatever the intention is behind it doesn't matter for a second. But right. his his the way he is a public speaker, yes. the way he's an actor, yeah. sort of um, the way he creates um, this effortless way to take faith into your life and preach to other people and have people who may not even believe in that. But by the end, you're like, wow, I feel something that I didn't know I could feel, whether it's they're interested in God or whether they just feel at home with the group next to them, whatever it is, there's something magical about him and what he did. So I get that like so many people are in love with him. What I think is interesting about men like him, and I've met men like him, I know them very well. They are used to people putting them on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and they don't realize or people, you know, civilians sort of don't realize these people are just normal people at the end of the day. And they need to be loved in a way that like they want to be known, but not known for the stuff that people put them on a pedestal for. They want someone who knows intimate details of them because that makes them feel loved and it's real love. Correct. And I think people really don't understand that because that is something that is missing in a lot of these men's life, people's life that I think are on this pedestal that people are obsessed with and they almost feel like they can't live up to it. Right. And they don't right. really believe that in themselves or they're living off the high of that. But when they go home, his wife's asking him to take out the trash, you right. know, she put the kids to bed. It's it, she's not he's not on a pedestal for his wife, you no. know? No. So I think it's, you know, people forget that, you know, they do crave an intimate relationship with someone, whether it's their wife, whether it's somebody else, Correct. um, to feel that 
feeling because I think a lot of those types of people are very lonely has been my experience um, and dealing with some issues that we right. end up seeing in the documentary. And the documentary was really interesting because he comes out from a perspective of having not spoken for two years, like you said. Right. Everyone's kind of wondered what happened to him. And, he, you know, I don't th- – everyone kind of thought, if you think of Hillsong and Carl Lentz, that the scandal revolved around him and, you know, you basically or, or the affair. Right. But what we've come to see is that was just like a crack in the glass, you know, wall or whatever of what happened with the church. Correct. Because it was so much bigger of an issue. And the issue for him, I think – listen, men cheat all the time. Women right. cheat all the time. Right. I don't think, you know, in this day and age, it's that, you know, uncommon. Right. Um, people can, you know, say, oh, my God, that's so disgusting and make so many judgments. I don't think anyone doesn't know someone who's cheated, you know. So I think people have to stop and just relax for a second. Exactly. But the issue with him was that this wasn't, you know, what he was preaching from his church. I mean, you're not supposed to have infidelities. You're not supposed to go outside your marriage. Your marriage is supposed to be the thing that you love. The bottom line is there are so many things that he's preaching that he's not living by. So I think that was... He said that to me, though. Did he? He did. He literally said to me, like, I feel hypocrite because I... I help people with divorces and I help with cheating and all that stuff. And I'm sitting and I'm doing this. He ha- he ha- he had moments where he was sit- sat on the edge of the bed, my bed, and he cried and he said, "I'm 41." And it's like and like I'm. He was disappointed. He knew that he. I don't know. He had a feeling when he was sitting there that, you know, when you hear somebody that they know that their life is about to crack, mm. but they they're not giving you a reason. Like they know that something is about to blow up, but yeah. they just cannot pinpoint it. Like it's just he had a feeling that. There's an end to this, but it's going to end really bad. And he just said, he's like, my wife is amazing. And like, and I'm 41 and I feel like my life is just like, like it's, it's all he's, he's just took so he's, you can tell they have a lot of weight on his shoulders. Yeah. Like, he was a lot going on where, when the last time we spoke to each other for an hour after he went to shock therapy in Nashville, he said he feels relieved. Mm-hmm. You feel like it's over. This is done. Like I'm now I can just lay there and just, you know, like just be quiet. Like he needed that, you know? So speaking of that, you know, um, that's very interesting. So after this whole thing blew up publicly, I mean, he told you about it first, right? He said this is going to come out or how did he? He just had a feeling like he was maybe like two weeks, three weeks before that mm-hmm. when he sat on the edge of my bed and he said that. But then later on when things, when Hillsong found all the images, whatever, uh, because he did say to me, this is what he said. I'm telling you, like, I feel like it's a chapter. So that's he okay. got, one time he said to me, like, he see himself like that he's not going to do this for too long. Like he's not going to be a pastor for too long. Or he said, we're going to give ourselves like maybe another five years and then something else is going to happen. Oh, we're going to give ourselves 10 years. So I think he was hitting the 10 years. Mm. I think it was more of a 10 years because they did do 10 years in New York or something. Yeah, It was an m- amount of time that they already have done. And he kind of like, in the back of his head, it sounds like he knew he's going to resign or right. he knew he's going to have, it's going to go somewhere else. He knew there was he an did, end to something. Right. And he did say that in documentary. Mm. So everything, I feel like what he said to me, I already knew. Like yeah. what he said now, I already knew that. There was but parts like, of truth in there. Yes. Yeah. But it was hard for me to believe him because he's such a good liar. It's just, it's hard. It was just like, he said things that he wanted to believe himself saying, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I just think like, um, it, I understand. Listen, when I watch the documentary, I understand the impact he had on him, like the the pressure and like where he was. And as you said before, like when when you have so much to show and and have people following you and seeing you as this powerful person, you don't know how to be vulnerable. You don't know how mm-hmm. to to just sit there and be stagnant. You feel like you're constantly moving because you need to please others, but you yeah. don't never please yourself. Right. And I think he kind of got lost in the mix. And I did say that I really hope he saved himself. That's what I said in. In my interview in Gourmeting America, I said, I hope that he eventually heals and he fix himself. Right. Because he's, he's really damaged. Not only because of the church, because it is a choice. I'm yeah. sorry. At the end of the day, you chose to be part of a huge mega church that yeah. you know the foundation with the abuse, with, with, with Brian Houston's dad. I honestly, this is one of the things that upsets me the most where you swear in your kids, but you are part of a system that abuse kids. Mm. That makes you... A predator too. That makes you, I don't know, like if you knew that that was it and it, you've been in the system for so, so long, 
You were supportive of that. Do you think he knew? Did he ever talk yes, to you about I it? Yes, I think th- there's no way they didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. It just, there's no way. Why would all of a and sudden... And for people that are listening that don't know, explain what you're talking about with Brian Houston. So Brian Houston's dad... Uh, Brian Houston is the founder The founder of, of Hillsong. Hillsong. Yeah. And Brian Houston... Um, father um allegedly like molested um one of the kids at the church and a seven-year-old a seven-year-old yeah. yeah and then he never went to trial and his right. father eventually passed away and then now after of what happened this past two years the brian houston actually is going to court for his father's uh yeah. you know uh, situation whatever he had to actually step down from step the first and yeah. then yeah but yeah. um thank god i mean yeah. think about it why I was telling myself, why did I have to come with my story for it to all crumble down and fall for some, for have a little more justice? Like me, like actually, cause the father of the child that got molested, money was offered to him. Oh, wow. And they tried to give him, you know, to sh- shut him off and not talk. And then, and I think years after he did speak about it, I think there's a documentary about him somewhere on YouTube. I, I remember that I watched it, it was briefly, mm. but to think that this is all had to go down years after when the father's not even in the world anymore. Yeah. So it just, it's pretty messed up. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't see anything right with it. Like, it's... Well, also, it's crazy because Brian Houston was the one that let go of Carl, who was the biggest thing. I mean, that's why people... And yeah. and he let him go and he said it was for moral issues and that he wasn't following the morality of the yes. church. When here's a guy who ended up having to leave the church, I think, within a year or two later Correct. because it was found out he was having infidelities, Correct. that, you know, the church was, you know, allegedly corrupt with financial issues Correct. or misconduct. Correct. And then these issues with his father potentially, you know, allegedly molesting a, a seven-year-old who came out and spoke. And, Correct. Um, and I think it was actually documented that Brian Houston blamed that on the child. He, the, You know, the child has come out saying that Brian said, this was your fault, you tempted my father, um, these kind of things. And it was, oh my goodness, yeah. I didn't know about that. But yeah, I, I know. I, I'm telling you because I know the abuse and the the mistreating people has mm-hmm. been happening. Have been happening back in in Australia. Yeah, I have spoken to a lovely lady. I'm not going to mention her name. That like you know she have spoken also in, uh, in the media about how she was abused. Mm-hmm. She went to the to the Hillsong, much more called like their college, nope. and. She was sick at some point and they had her cleaning the floors for hours, didn't care about her health. Like so many awful stories where like she was dating a guy in the church and they didn't like their that they dated each other because she wasn't, she didn't look too white for them because her mm-hmm. hair color was different. And they had her breaking up with this person and having this person marrying somebody else. It's very, very, like it's all about control and how they monitor and who who's going with who. Like it just, this is... It's a cult, you yeah. know, at this And they point. also didn't believe in being gay. Yes. So they made it very difficult for, I mean, I think members, of course, were gay who came yeah. and worshipped there and, and followed Carl and followed Brian. But the ultimate uh, message of the church, even though the message was supposed to be come one, come all to our home, Correct. welcome home, yeah. they did not believe in gay marriage. They didn't believe in people being gay in general. So I think that, um, you know, took a toll on a lot of people that felt like they had to put that part of them aside to be part of the church. So, yeah. So talking about that topic, which I never spoke about it. So there's a lot of like, you know, um, you know, bisexuals, like, you know, gay that used to go to the church. And um, when things start, like, you know, things happened back then in, in, you know, like when things was exposed, Mm -hmm. I, I know that, you know, a lot of people was hurt from that. And there was one girl that basically, Starting to harass me on social media. It got to a point where I had to involve the police because it's like she was, you know, she was gay. And well, she had also mental issues. And then, and then to think that she was, that was her leader. She loved him so much. She used to go to church every Sunday. She used to go and sit in the front, listening to him talking. And mm-hmm. imagine going from having this person that like you felt that he was supportive of your community, loves you, you are welcome, this is home to pff, vanish. Yeah. And it got to a place where I felt I was. I was haunted and blamed because I took this person from her pedestal, you know, like, and a lot of people in her position, especially if, if you like, you feel like you're already not accepted in the world, like, and then you don't, you don't get accepted at a church. Yeah. That's, that's, very, that takes a lot of mental, mental, like toll on people. Of and course. I've seen the first, she was a big thing because I was scared for my life. Cause she was, she literally, I seen her in my neighborhood. She threatened me. Like it was really scary. Where I needed to, like, I had to contact her friend and tell her, like, she needs to leave me alone because, mm-hmm. I don't know, eventually it's going to come to my house. So it's just this one moment, like, made me realize how 
a lot of people like her feels the same way, yeah. you know, and and to, and also when I spoke, when I watched the documentary, I have heard people talking about how, yeah, they made you feel like you belong. They had actually a, a, a gay person working for the for the church and his boyfriend. And then when they went on a show, he actually was so proud to say that he was part of Hill's song. And then Brian Houston went ahead and had a statement that they don't support gay people. Mm-hmm. And he was in they said he claimed that he denied that somebody in the church is actually gay. And he was just when like it didn't make sense because it's just like they still trying to be cool and open minded. But then the foundation of the church is very old school. Mm-hmm. It's very like what the Bible is and how it needs to be because it's basically being gay is being, it's a sin, right? It's yeah. equal to death for them. Right. And I don't know. It just, it's crazy. So another thing that came out in the documentary that you remind me of now in talking about this and all the secrets is that, uh, well, we knew ahead of time from the papers, Carl was having an affair with the nanny. Right. Did the nanny work for him when you guys were together? Did you know about the nanny? He never spoke about No. Her. So I have to be honest. It's something that I knew about Leona before she even spoke to the to the media. I had a uh, source that I have spoken to uh, that knew the Lance family. And apparently, Leona's name was was written in the diary that Laura was wrote. And she knew about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, nobody spoke about it before. But this, this the, the fact that they brought it up into... This is what's crazy to me. Because in the, in the documentary, she said that it was mentioned in the Zoom meeting. But I'm confused because Leona worked for her before this other person that worked for her I know about... Mm-hmm. I know the story prior before it even came out. So it was really like, I knew that Leona was like working for them as a nanny. Her husband is still where he still works for Hillsong. Yeah. And she was working for them for two years, I guess. And then apparently. And, and for people that are listening that don't, aren't familiar, her husband was a pastor, I think, and she was his working. His wife, right. And, and Leona, who became the nanny for Carl, was also working for the church in some but, capacity. Yes, right? right. So the church. I, I think the church actually had her working for Carl because, okay, you know, they yeah. do have volunteers. So even another girl in the documentary spoke about how while Leona was babysitting Carl's kids, yeah. she was babysitting Leona's kids. Yeah, which sounds and she, crazy Which is bizarre. Know. She was giving 60, 70 hours a week. I'm like, first of all, like, why? Yeah. If, she, if she can have, she can have, like, I think the church was actually, again, controlling what they do, where they mm-hmm. go and whatever. And I think Leona ended up having to work for them. But more than her be with her own family. Correct. Yeah. Yes. But what's weird to me, it's like, you know, because uh, Laura said in the documentary, she did feel like something is off between her and her husband. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, and people still think that Leona was like, it was consensual relationship, right. which I don't know if he was because he's very pers- persuasive, like mm-hmm. when it comes to what he wants. And, and he kind of makes you feel like, He's very a gentleman with the way he touched you, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, he just makes you feel like he's just not invasive. You know, like it's it's very interesting how he moves. You know, right. so I can see him the way he knows how to persuade people on stage. He know how to do it one on one. Right. And I and I was monitoring his behavior because I I'm very curious about people, but I don't know what is her mental stage. Like if she allowed, if she was really into it, if she really like felt like she doesn't lose her job. You don't know. What exactly what happening? So I felt bad mm-hmm. to hear the Leona story on the documentary because she came with her story mm-hmm. as being abused. Why would she want to put herself in the spotlight if it wasn't real? Right. Yeah. And again, for people that are listening, it was it came out that Carl was having an affair on a Zoom call with everybody um, that he works with. And Laura, his wife, happened to be on the same Zoom call, which they knew she was, but they didn't know, I guess, that she didn't know, or maybe they did. But it came out, and Laura was devastated because it it confirmed all her suspicions that she said she was having these suspicions they were having an affair, but he had denied it. So that was devastating to her. Um, She had... She said in the documentary that before that, she had found them in a quote-unquote compromising position. I don't know what that means, but where she pushed Carl and then she punched Leona in the face. Right. And then con- and then Leona continued to work there, <laughs> this which is, is crazy. This, they, it, it. they must have, like, convinced her that she was mistaken. Maybe they just brainwashed her. I just don't know. I feel like when you hear the stories from everyone, from mm-hmm. people who worked the, for the church, uh, like, directly or not directly, like, the power this church had or the people that work for it, it's incredible because if somebody punched me, I'm never going to come back to work for you. Right. Right. Of course. You punch her back. Like, I mean, you like the fact that she used to put her like pride and ego aside and came back to work. 
that's that's some evil shit. I don't yeah. know. Like I don't really agree with this because I I as a woman, I want to be. A, she's a mom too, so I feel like you guys. I'm talking about them, especially Laura and Carl. You want to put her on a, on a on a spotlight. You want to talk about it as like she was okay with this, whatever, and she agreed on that. But like, how about her family and her kids? You mm. want to protect your family and your kids, but she have family too. Yeah, and nobody tried to protect her. Right. You just put her on a spot as she's this woman that worked there for two years and she's trying to steal your husband from you, but you still kept her there, right? And you want her to care to care of your kids. So you, I'm questioning you too. Like right. what? What? What did you do? That it's a really good point. And then now, she, you know, after the affair was found out, then she went on to claim that it was sexual abuse, Correct. and she was coerced. And the power dynamic was so difficult because he was the boss. Correct. And it's really easy to see that, even though it was quote unquote consensual. Right. She, you know, it's not like she was forced to have sex with him or whatever went on. But I think at the end of the day, she felt that it was in her best interest to continue a relationship where she would be kicked out of the church, which for many people, it's their whole lives. I mean, they, the way you hear people talk about, um, being in that church, being a member of the church, um, not even working for the church, but it's like, has changed their life. So I can't imagine how difficult that would have been for her if she felt like she was going to lose her job, if that relationship didn't continue. So we don't know the, the, you know, what really went on behind closed doors, but at the moment, Carl is denying that. I think that's a big statement that came out in the documentary that he said unequivocally he did not sexually abuse Leona. It was consensual. And, you know, he's, you know, moving forward with that it's statement. It's crazy. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens there. Because he's like, you know her husband. Her husband worked for you. Like, it just, it's, I feel like there's no accountability. It's yeah. just kind of, there is accountability, but it's none. It's like, it's like a semi, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for what I did. But it's really like, and then you can hear it because one minute he'll say, well, I was wrong. I was. Did, I'm, I know I'm in fault and things. And I. But then let's blame Hill Song. Let's blame Brian Houston. He just takes it like he's kind of shifting everything. Yeah. Like it's a wishy washy. You know that's what I noticed the whole documentary. It didn't feel mm. like, you know, it just kind of like feel bad for me. I look miserable. I look bad now. I went through shit. Great. Like it just. I just don't feel there's a genuine mm-hmm. behind everything. The whole time the documentary was going on, I didn't hear none of her, Laura, or because she was a pastor too. Or her husband saying, we're sorry for what, what we have done to people that follow us. We're sorry that, you know, that we we led, you know, any, anyone wrong. Like, just, there's no apology. Yeah. There's no apology. And, and this the is issue what was is that they let down so many people who loved them, yes. gave their whole life to them, believed yes. everything they said, and yes. then they weren't living that reality. I think that no. was what really hurt people. Um so do you think that he is going to get back into church life now? I heard that he's in Oklahoma City or somewhere and he's working with a church, but he's no longer, you know, in a position to manage people or get up and um, create, you know, give sermons. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, because the thing is, I heard because mm-hmm. um, he, I don't know if it's really him, but he reached out to me from a fake Instagram. Mm. So asking if there's photos, giving somewhere, whatever. Uh, and that was a month before the documentary comes out. So I don't know if it's really him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be anyone. Um, I heard that he did try to like some something with HR. He needed to make sure that he can get the job at this church. And then when the documentary came out and I asked people around, mm-hmm. they said, yeah, there's rumors that he's going to work for some church. Yeah. And that's it was a confirmation of like, OK, maybe it's really him because why will he ask me so many things? Yeah. So. Do you think that he is really sorry and that he's back with Laura and everything's good? Or do you think that if you reached out to him, he would, you know, contact you? And he did contact me in the past two years. He, did. he contacted me from a fake phone, asked, asked, uh, pretending to be a reporter and told me that he loved me then. He loved me now. He loved me forever. He think what we what I did is can be undone. I did this for social media and be famous. And it's well, it was funny. I said, wow. You have the audacity to message me and still not say sorry and want to blame me for everything. I said, this is so typical. Wait, you. but how could he blame you? You weren't the one that leaked it. They found it in his iCloud. Because, I, because you did interviews. Because I went to the media. Because yeah. I wanted to be famous. I because I didn't lose anything. Like, I didn't lose my job. I didn't, right. like, have my family didn't want to talk to me for months. My mom disowned me like that not nothing happened to me because this is what i'm saying it's always like me 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 it's always about him yeah and what affects him and what how it makes him look like that's why i don't think he's genuine right i think a lot of people you know don't understand the difference between women who uh, want their 15 minutes of fame and go to the media because they want to be famous and they're gonna like get deals uh you know out of this 
And people that go to the media because they want their story to be told because yes. they're being seen in such a light. Yes. And it's difficult because you're like, wait a minute. That's not what happened. And let me explain to you who I am because right. I'm much bigger than this. And that right. you, you have to know that there's something else that went on. It's not, you know, about, oh, I'm waiting to get on, you know, Celebrity Big Brother or something. Right. And you know? I tell you because people have seen me later on doing the X on the Beach. But the whole only reason I would decided to go to the media, even though he didn't say who I was when he posted that post and mm -hmm. said he was unfaithful, is because the last time we spoke on the phone... Because he did spoke to me multiple while he was staying at Justin Bieber's. I could go up down the stairs and I can hear him in the stairs talking to me while his wife in the other room. Like he did care to stay in touch with me till the last days before they take his phone from yeah. him. So while people say he didn't care for me, he did care for me. He wouldn't be on the phone constantly like talking to me, making sure I'm okay yeah. so he can move on with his life. So I don't care what people say. I know my story. Yeah. But what triggered me the most and because of my personal experience in life, people don't know me like that and I don't have to share it. He said something after talking for an hour, saying he was in Nashville, did the therapy shock, and he wanted me to, he should, I should go there and all that good stuff. And then he said he was unfaithful before, but he never loved anyone. Mm. He did say that to me. But the last of the last, what he said was, uh, don't worry about it. Your name is, is being buried. Nobody will like know who you are. Like, don't worry. I buried your name. Something in that, in that form. Yeah. And when I got off the phone and I literally said to myself, I said, Oh my God, like I came from very, repressed like culture like i'm muslim i cannot mm -hmm. be the way i am like i all my life i had to like like fight with men and want to ex express myself and I don't, i'm not gonna let any man bury me right so this is what motivated me to want to talk to the media because i'm not gonna let anybody bury me mm -hmm. and i think it stemmed from that like to be able to speak up and to be myself and not feel like it's like okay there's another story and i can just move on with my life mm -hmm. yeah. this is why i did what i did Incidentally, you brought up that you were on Good Morning America and some of their shows. Right. Amy Robach interviewed you. Right. She has now been fired for her infidelity. Oh, shit. Did you not know that? <sighs> no, I didn't know that. She was having an affair with her co-anchor. Oh, shit. And they were both married. And they have both been fired. Um, this is so ironic. For, yeah, from their job. And this happened a couple months ago. You didn't know this. I, I really do. I try not to because I, you know, I didn't look. I didn't read about it. So, and the the story that, you know, that normally they're, you know, hosting a show right. and reading stories, the story became them. And this was front page news for months. That's crazy. Um, so, and one of them, I think, is now getting a divorce and the other one, I don't know that the divorce is final, but they stayed together. And Stop. I, yeah. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to yeah. look it but up later. I thought it was interesting because I know that she asked you kind of in a condescending way, did you know he was married? Did he tell you he was married and what? And why did you continue your behavior yeah. after finding out he was married? So I thought that that was a very interesting interview for her to give when at the time that she's interviewing you, she was, in the, in, she was having an affair or about to start on one. I would have to look at the timeline. But, you know, that that's really incredible. I just don't like the fact that, you know, when they, when I did this interview, they really wanted me to say sorry to his wife. Yeah. And they did. There was an hour of an interview and they just. That to, was their goal. To yeah, it was get five that minutes. Sound bite. Yeah, and I'm kind of a, and then on the documentary, I said actually I don't think I need to say sorry because he needs to say sorry to her. Yeah, because you know I feel like at the end of the day, I kept telling him go back to your family. You yeah. have a family. That's yeah. what I said, and I can and that's the crazy. But I I feel I'm so close to be like let me just post those freaking messages because I'm tired of people like. But I told myself no, I want to keep. I still want to respect him. Yeah. and not do that because I didn't share any screenshots any videos that he sends me mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. because i wanted to still respect his family but then to think that i'm the villain yeah is really upsetting and it's just funny that uh that i got interviewed and then the questions like that she asked is just kind of like semi questions to herself you know yeah exactly but also with that edge of being a little bit condescending and yeah. wanting to get something out of you so do you feel yeah to yeah feel okay with her situation yeah. and i just wanted to go back because i talked about how i had met carl before yeah. i owned a store at the time a children's right. store and somebody had donated 50 backpacks oh, to wow. the store mm -hmm. and uh somehow somebody mentioned oh you know you should donate them to a church right. and you should donate them to hillsong right um and i had never heard of it so i knew somebody that knew somebody that was a junior pastor. Right, right. And they said, oh, you'd have to meet Carl and his wife and right. you can donate it to them. So they set it up that uh, I brought 
a friend of mine and her husband, and um, we went around and we saw that there was a line around the block. I guess this was on 34th yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah. And um, I got a text saying, come to our VIP door in the back. And I felt like this looked like a nightclub that was run like a church. Even to tell you go to the VIP, it just already tells like this is not a normal church. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I'd never seen anything like that. So um, we go to the back door and it like bangs open like you're on Broadway yeah, kind yeah. of. You know what I mean? Like somebody famous comes out. Yes. And first of all, the first thing I noticed was how good looking everybody was. And I mentioned it to the couple I was with. I said, what is going on in here? This seems like staged. A fashion show. Yeah, it's like stage. Everyone is so hip and cool. That's and crazy. all the guys we saw on the back staircase yeah. that worked there that we were being introduced to really quick all had skinny jeans, black jeans on, skinny tight oh jeans, boots, leather jackets. They were all over six feet tall. And they literally all looked like Calvin Klein models oh or God, whatever. Seriously, and you're just wow. like, what is happening here? Anyways, they put us in like the second row. Right. And the band started. And I look around me on either side. And it's even better looking people than I saw when I walked oh in. I'm like, God. who are all these people? I don't get <laughs> it. Are they from? doing this for us to get us to donate is the backpack? Because <laughs> yes, we're going to do it anyway. I just thought it was odd. So then the, the band starts and yeah. the lights go down and it's dark and it's, you know, lit so perfect. And everyone knows every word to the song. And the songs are like you're in a rock concert. Wow. And my friend's husband who works on Wall Street, yeah. takes out his phone. I'm like, Raji, put that down. And he was like, no, no, no. I'm seeing how much this place is making. So for the next 45 minutes, he's like thinking of all the things that they're spending money on, but all the ways that they're making money, wow. how many times they ask yeah. for donations or whatever. And he's whispering to us, oh, my God, this is such a moneymaker. This is incredible. Yeah, this is, is nuts. Yeah, and is. we're looking around. People are singing, and they all have their hands stretched out, and they're all singing, and it's glory to God and Jesus in yeah, Jesus' yeah. name. And I'm looking at my friend Diana. I'm like, this is really insane. Like, these people are nuts. I will tell you, at the end of that hour, Diana and I had our hands no up. We're you like, got, in you Jesus' think, yes, name, we're coming you, you every got, Sunday. Um, you know, and Raji, who is, you know, from Lebanon, yeah. you know, is not somebody who goes to church yeah. all the time. He's like, this is amazing, but this is a cult. There's something wrong yeah, with Yeah, it this. is. I mean, listen, I, 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 I've been in churches. You know, I was married before my ex-husband. A family took me to church, and I have, the, have two Bibles at home. And, you know, yeah. and I they used to read it, and he used to send me verses. And, like, like I loved I love people that are in the in this in this in a spiritual place, you know, like mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing. But when it gets to a point where like like I even in documentary I saw that if you donate money to Hill Song, you you get to meet, you get to have coffee with Brian Houston. Like what is that? Like right. you which you get bullet points, like you know, you kind of like it just was bizarre to me that they used using this to like really wanted to make money and get and grow with the money, yeah. you know. But now like, it wasn't something that was helpful for some somebody else. Like, where is the money? Where does the, the money goes? Right. Like, did you well, did you try to build homes, schools? Yeah. Give it to poor people. Like, where did the money? That's go? That's a good question because what happened after is they led us up to the green room. Oh shoot! And we saw this a bunch of celebrities. This famous green room. Yes, yeah, so we saw a bunch of celebrities sitting in there, and Carl's there, and Laura's there, and they come up to us, and I explain you know, that I had these yeah. 50 backpacks, not right. with me, but I want to donate them. And he was like, oh my God, thank you so much. That's amazing. It's so amazing to meet you and all this bullshit. Yeah. And, you know, Laura was um, quiet, but she was, you know, she's a very, you know, plain, but pretty girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so just, you know, impressive also because she stood out in the room yeah. too. But I was like, okay, so I'll be in touch and I'll get you the backpacks. And I felt really good about it. I'm like, I'm donating something. This it's makes me feel that, good. Yeah, that you they allow you because I heard getting to the groom, green room, it was such a hassle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was. So, but listen to yeah, this. Go for it. To this day, they mm -hmm. never took the backpacks. I thought that was crazy. So we had a really so hard time. So they didn't time. send anybody to No, never sent anybody, never followed up on any calls. They just want money. They, they just want them. money. They didn't want the donations. And, you know, they kept talking about how they had all these kids in different countries That's that bullshit. needed stuff. And I thought it was really – it was a red flag yeah. that they never followed up on that. And that didn't seem important to them. Yeah. And That's so upsetting. I never went back. But I, you know – when I left, I had that high of like, this is amazing. I want to be part of this and help out by donating. And then it felt, it went down and down though, because I thought something was wrong by the fact that they didn't want what I had to offer. Yeah. So um, that was. You were you smart. Know. So you already 
you know, catch them. Yeah, well, some other people that they come, like, because you know, he kept saying in the documentary, "We want to save people, people that that are lost." And I looked at my, I was, I was like, I was giggling. I said to myself, "You are such a lost person yourself. Like, the lost will find the lost because it's too hard for you to find yourself. So it's easy to find other people. Right? Yeah, healthy people aren't looking for salvation. You no, know? it's just people that are are really looking for something. And listen, that's a universal theme. We're all looking for something, right? Yeah. But, um, you have to be careful with where you get your information, where you get your love, where you get your fulfillment yeah. um, to make sure it's real yeah, for everyone. Yeah, it's true. Um, so my last, you know, how I want to end this is what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about you or your scenario um, that you kind of want to, you know, make known, that you want to get clear the air about? That um, I'm not... I'm not a bad person. Mm-hmm. I didn't do this from an evil place. I did this um, to redeem myself from what happened, to um, set the tone, I guess, from women. You know, like if you feel like you were in a place where like you fell into it and happened to be involved, then you know that it wasn't right for you. But mm-hmm. then you want to do good after what happened yeah. and you go about it in a certain way. You can, there's no, there's no room to be judged. Like, like I don't want to feel that what I have done is really come from a place of helping Whoever is going through um, a, r- a rough time or doesn't be like, nobody hears them. It doesn't feel like they have support because I know how hard it is to want to speak up and feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. I don't feel ashamed of what happened. I regret it. Yes, I don't feel ashamed, and I'm sure you understand my point yeah, of view. Yeah. It's not like there's no shame. I feel I feel like I'm I learned so much from it, and now I feel like people come to me. Yeah, and it's funny. For two years, I had so many people reach out to me, and I did mention that to you mm-hmm. before, men and women, and and they were like. Please give me answer. Did Carl used to do drugs? Did he smoke mar? Did he smoke marijuana? I want to know. I used to go to church and give my money. And and, and we're talking about guys that works in Wall Street, like mm. you know, with money. Like I felt bad. I couldn't answer everyone. So yeah. I feel like today, after two years, I want to be able to yeah to have a a, a voice for whoever want to talk mm-hmm. and not be scared because it's still necessary. Because yeah. as you said, when you come from a place of that church and any like environment like that, that the same style of environment you just really feel trapped and you don't have the voice so i feel like maybe this is what i want how i want people to remember me right and right. know me as yeah and i think in speaking to you for the last yeah. hour you know i think it'll come across and people will hear who you are as a person and uh i think it's okay to judge you as a person based on what they hear Correct. from your mouth but Correct. not from how the media writes you up or yes. how you've been portrayed so because they used a lot of provocative photos of me and social yeah. media. I'm kind of like, I'm not yeah, like you're living have... your life in a bathing suit or something. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, I'm an artist, you know, I'm a jewelry designer. I didn't like, I'm a creative person. I really, this is not only me. Right. And it sucks because like, you can be so many things. Right. Is and you could be sexual and beautiful. Right. And, that doesn't and intelligent. Mean, doesn't mean, yes. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you are this like threat to Correct. every other woman out Correct. there. You know? Correct. So I do think that is an important lesson. Exactly. So. so people don't think that we're like just looking for married men, you know, no. out there. It's not. It's not the point. So <laughs> I just I don't wish I don't wish for anybody to go through betrayal because I was cheated on, you know, in my recent relationship, and and my ex is dating his girl he cheated on me with. So I mean, mm. I, I I I go through it and it's yeah. fine. I'm just I like this is part of life, and I'm not gonna sit and say I'm great and everything's beautiful, and nothing bad happened to me. Yes, right. but um. I mean, I just want to say that I feel for what happened to their family and I feel what happened to somebody who got abused. I, I'm a person. I have feelings. Like, I care, you know? Yeah. So I don't want it to feel like I did this because I'm trying to get famous. If I want to be famous, I would have done more, you know? Yeah. And I didn't. So just keep it like that. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate you. Thank I you think so much. your whole story is very interesting and you are interesting. So I <laughs> wish you, you the best. Oh, incidentally, what are you up to next? Like, what are you working on? What are you doing? If people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Well, I'm on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. right now, I'm just working on my business. You know, I just, you know, work more about, about my brand. There's nothing really like... You're still exactly. a jewelry Yeah, I'm, I still... I mean, I'm a jewelry designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And what's the name of your company? It's called Wahidan, Ooh. which is uh, means one in Arabic. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, I love that. Okay, and what kind of jewelry? It's uh, it's it. There's like a part of the collection inspired by me being Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of gold pieces with diamonds and and gemstones, and then the other collection inspired by exotic bugs. Oh, so it's kind of the pretty and ugly, cool. you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, can people find you on your Instagram yes. if they want to reach out? Yes. And you read your messages. Yes, you and I do DMs? get like on my Instagram, on my business account, I mean my website, you can actually contact me there. Okay. Uh, you can come to my showroom. I have a showroom in, in Brooklyn. You can come see my stuff. So. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, the second two parts of the documentary will be out this week. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we'll see what happens in those. But people should um, watch it. I do think it's interesting. If you're if you're into cults, if you're into religion, if you're into scandals, yeah. sort of like a true crime mix of everything. It is. But I just, I really felt, for the first episode, I'm not going to lie, I did cry a little bit. Yeah. Because when I heard the volunteers and people that gave their life to the church, and the way they're like, you know, people didn't have money to, to pay their bills. Yeah. And like, they, they traveled and they were part of the... The ministry, like they were doing the music, and it was just very heartbreaking to see like how much time they gave. Yeah, and then this all like just falling apart, and then like not no, no recognition, no like love and thank you. It just it didn't, and then you see all the money flowing, and it just really heartbreaking. This is what really really made me sad. Yeah, the other part with Carl and his wife, I didn't care about it, but like and you know, but I was really sad for the people. Yeah, mostly because I know I'm a foreigner. I came here when I was 23. I built my life by myself, and I know how hard it is to to. To be here, New York is not cheap place, yeah. and they say it in the documentary too. It's not. It's not easy to live here. Yeah, and to take right. from you, from the little people, it's just devastating. Right. That's one of the things that I was really like hard hurt by. Yeah. Okay. So you and I will talk after the second two episodes, and we'll see how we <laughs> think. Gotta go. Okay. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review if you like what you hear. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at Patreon slash Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or guests that you want us to reach out to? Please email us at infomisunderstoodpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see you next time.